Toronto Legends podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Michaela Doria, a local interdisciplinary artist who is both the founder and CEO of the nonprofit organization Celebrate Toronto. They hold an annual city festival every March at Nathan Phillips Square, marking our city's birthday while celebrating Toronto's rich history and diversity. They just completed this year's festival, marking Toronto's 188th birthday. Welcome, Michaela, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I am currently in my home office and I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. The weather could be a little warmer, but hey, it's Canada, it, right? It, we, that's right. And we keep, uh, we keep hearing that we turn the corner and then as we record this, it's still snowing. But I always remind people in the Blue Jays, first game ever it was snowing and that was in April so it's not that much of a surprise what part of town are you in um I'm actually in Vaughan right now I moved a couple months ago to uh, a new town home so I'm just a little north of the city so well congratulations it's nothing nicer than moving into a new place yeah yeah it's exciting so that's what's new well, we're repping York Region on this episode of Toronto Legends because <laughs> the podcast home office is Richmond Hill. I'm not far from you over at uh, Bathurst and Teston. So this will be uh, very York Region flavored. Now, as I mentioned, Celebrate Toronto honors the city's birthday every March with a free month-long festival that celebrates Toronto's past, its present, its future. Now, usually this is held in person at Nathan Phillips Square at City Hall, but this year's festival took place online. How did that go? Uh, it, it went well. We, we started uh, with the online virtual um, situation last year. We had to make the switch because of COVID, as many yes. people did, and I guess that was our training wheels to see how things would go. I mean, we didn't want to fold completely and not do anything. We needed to find a way to still, you know, stick our ground and celebrate our city. It deserves it. Mm -hmm. So last year we did our first virtual show and, uh, you know, we did some live streaming, some contesting. We ran a a virtual market and it it went pretty well. I mean, considering it was our first time and, you know, (laughs) trying to navigate through a pandemic. It was successful. So we ran it again this March because COVID was still a thing. I mean, we were able to host an in-person festival technically, but we only found that out a few weeks before the actual date because things keep changing and the nature yeah. of COVID was open, it's closed, up and down, open. You know, it's it's difficult. And you can't plan something um, as grand as a festival at Nathan Phillips Square in a couple of weeks. Like it takes sure. a year. <laughs> so, yeah. so we had to do an online thing again, but we are going to do an in-person festival later this year in September. Okay. Um, yeah. And will that be a new kind of, is that a, an additional celebration in the same mode as the birthday one? Or is this like kind of an incremental one? You know what? It's going to be a bit of both. I should call it like happy 188 and a half birthday. <laughs> That's I don't know. Good I'm name. Still nice. on it's it. nice and tight. Maybe we- <laughs> I'm still working on it. You know, I just, um, I wanted to try something new and I figured it, you know, it'll be safer in, in the fall time and we'll see with the warmer weather. Cause usually it's a, it's a winter outdoor festival and it, it can be a little tricky and whatnot with snow and ice and high winds, who knows? So sure. 
we'll see what September brings. You know, I just want it to be kind of a melting pot for people just to come together and, you know, reimagine the city now that we're slowly opening up again and just to, you know, reconnect, rebuild. That's great. Reconnect. Yeah. You know, this might be a stupid question, but now that you've done it twice online and you've had so many of these lessons learned, do you think there'll still be an online component or is it a no brainer that when, when things are opened up as they are, that you would go 100% live? Um, you know what? I was debating that myself. It's like, you know, I've, I now over the past few years, I created the website to host online things, you know, with an online shop. And, you know, I, I, I put what I needed to put in place to run it that way. But honest to God, I don't think, I think starting in 2023, people, this online thing isn't going to be yeah. a thing anymore. I, I just, I just, maybe it's just because of my age and the way that I grew up. I look forward to being in person. I'm not scared to leave my house and meet people one-on-one and shop one-on-one, but yeah. who knows? I think we're all kind of in the same position to think, you know, how are events going to be reimagined, but I'm hopeful that things go back to normal. Me anyway. as well. And certainly yeah. this, this summer, we're going to find out and things, as we've been saying for two years, take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get to why you started Celebrate Toronto and your objectives for this annual birthday festival, let's please go back all the way and get your origin story. Michaela, where were you born? And please describe your upbringing. I love origin story. You made me sound like a superhero. You are. <laughs> like you are. Uh, my origin story. I was born in the city of Toronto at Mount Sinai Hospital. Mount I, Sinai. Yeah. We represent. And, <laughs> and uh, I went to school down there. I, I did my university at OCAD University. And I fell in love with the city since I was a kid. You know, my mom was a very artistic lady and okay. she would always bring me down there as a kid to every festival and you know it, my uncles lived down there so it's just I don't know it's just my hometown you know it's what you always look forward to even in high school it's like I would I'm not gonna say I was a I was a good student but yes mm-hmm. occasionally I would miss a day and go downtown and shop with my friends and it's just yeah you know that's what you do when you're a kid well, when so, you, you say you went to all these places, where was your neighborhood? What neighborhood did you grow up in? I, I actually grew up in Vaughan. I grew up okay. in Vaughan, but my because my family was all in Toronto, my uncles and cousins and friends, everybody was there. That was just where I went every single chance I got, you know, on the weekends. That's just where we were. You know, I, yeah. I, I say I'm from Vaughan, but I feel like I kind of grew up in the beaches because that was <laughs> where I spent all my time. That's where I was. That's where well, my cousins were. Those were, that was my life. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Now, were you, uh, this is going to, you're going to be giving away your age, but was this, would you jump on the subway? Were you taking the Viva system? How would you get from Vaughn down to the beach? Oh man, I am, I am giving away my age because the Viva wasn't even a thing when I was a kid. Okay. You and me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would take the 165C. Okay. <laughs> it would bring me to Wilson station yep. and then Wilson station. I would, I would subway all the way down, get on a streetcar and, and head out in any direction I wanted. That was my route. You know, and, if I got lucky enough, I'd get dropped off at Yorkdale. I'd shop and then head downtown well, again. That, that that's mind. the gold standard. We always did the, uh, I grew up uh, Van Horman and uh, Vic Park in, uh, in Willowdale, Pleasant View community. And we always went to the fish, uh, the Finch station, uh, kiss and go. So mom yeah, would give me a kiss. kiss I just, yep. um, now what junior high did? Let's rep your schools here. Where'd you go for high school, junior high school? Um, high school, I went to Father Brazani Catholic High School. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was by my high school experience. I was called Little Dory. So Little Dory, did you get that nickname from Finding Nemo? No, I did not. I actually have an older brother and an older sister. So by the time I got into high school, it my name didn't matter. I was just the little one, you know, that was it. So. You were the next in line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, from Father, Father Brissani High School, you went to university, you went to OCAD. Was that uh, where you had kind of dreams of going? Like what drove you to go there? And did you already have a specific program in mind? Um, yeah, actually. So in high, well, even in elementary school, I was, I was a nerd. I'm a proud admitter of that. Um, math was my strong suit. And okay. I, I think, um, I mean, my parents anyway, I think their idea was that I was going to become an accountant or a doctor. Like that's kind of what yes expected of me I guess you know but I was very artistic as well and I thought to myself you know if I'm going to be going through university and I'm going to be paying for it myself then I'm going to do what I want to do and I think that art is fun and when you're 17 years old you don't listen to anybody else so I <laughs> oh, true enough true enough but- I'm making the decision but I loved OCAD I oh. loved I wanted to study everything when I was there and I almost did so you know, something that constantly comes up in this podcast is we're so lucky in this city, the universities and colleges and the programs we have access to are incredible. Sometimes we take it for granted. So it's great that you had a positive experience at OCAD. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was, um, it, it just felt, it, it did, it expanded your mind. It, like you thought about, you thought outside the box. That's what it taught me. And um, it gave me all the tools that I needed to do what I do today to celebrate Toronto. Like I, you know, it, it, it not just gave me the courage, it just, it gave me the tools. Like I said, from designing things to, you know, coming up with different ideas. So, yeah. That's fabulous. Now you're going to educate me today. What is an interdisciplinary artist? What does that mean? It means you do it all. (laughs) (laughs) So what mediums do you uh, participate in? It it was, it was, you know, creating art with video, with sound, with audio. That's what it it meant in OCAD's terms. Back then, who knows what they're doing now? I don't know. It's been a while since I've been there. But in that time, it was exploring art through um, different media, right? Not just, you know, paint and pencils. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Well, I think one thing I want to mention about OCAD is the physical nature. The iconic Rosalie Sharp Center for Design, this award-winning black and white tabletop checkerboard box structure stands above OCAD University's main campus building. It's on 12 multicolored steel legs, which I have referred to as pencil crayons. Now, in addition to this being an architecturally amazing building, I understand it's functional as well. Did you actually have classes in this Massive tabletop? No, so the tabletop part uh, was for, what well, when I was there, was for the design stream. So okay. uh, when I went, it's either you're a design student or you're into like um, fine arts. So I was into the fine arts side of things. So I was at the bottom part. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. But I mean, you can just take the elevator and go upstairs and it was like super cool and very modern. And, you know, you have your lunch or you go reading up there and whatnot. Oh, it's so fabulous. And then, of course, to be downtown on that campus, you must have just been thrilled. Oh, it was the best. It was the best, the best, the best. So, yeah, you get to walk around to Kensington Market and yeah. you get to enjoy it all as a kid. Fabulous. Now, when you were on your year's uh, summer break, so to speak, what kind of jobs did you have? Did you work during the summer or what did you do in your summer during OCAD years? 
even continued my school throughout the summer for a few mm-hmm. weeks. <laughs> Again, nerd. I like love school. I did. So I would take some classes. Um, I would be at OCAD through the summers. Um, and later on, um, towards graduation and then post-graduation, I worked as an artist. I was doing murals for different restaurants. I had my art in different galleries and I was selling work, you know, putting on art shows and, um, you know, group shows with my friends that I also graduated with. And it was a good time. And then I started doing some commercial work. I was doing, you know, again, murals for different commercial buildings around St. Clair and uh, Avenue Road area. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a good time. I was, I was making a pretty good living. Um, and then I was young and decided I'm going to go travel the world and then did that for a couple of years. Wow. Well, I want to I come back to that in a second. You were very brave, Michaela. So right when you finished school, what did you graduate with, by the way? What's, what's that degree called? A BFA, Bachelor of Finance. Excellent. So immediately after leaving, you, you put out your own shingle and you became an entrepreneur. Yep, I did. And how did you get these first jobs? That must have been pretty scary. Um, no, no, nothing, nothing was, was scary. It was, um, you know, it was, a, you just got to push yourself. It was perseverance. You know, I started, uh, a lot of my friends were musicians. So whenever they were doing shows downtown, um, we would work together. Where I'd put up my art on the walls while they were, you know, on stage and you just kind of start meeting people and owners of businesses while you're doing that. And then I got picked up by a couple art galleries and then you know, sign some contracts with them to have my work in their spots. And then you end up meeting people who do painting for a living, you know, Mm -hmm. started hanging out with them and just turns out that, you know, people wanted murals on their walls. So they would hire me to do murals that they couldn't do. And it was just kind of, you know what I mean? Getting out there and meeting different people and just, yeah, putting your best foot forward. That's it. It sounds very collaborative. Is that the word you'd use or, or? Perfect word to use. Collaborative and, and honestly, just being social, going out yeah. time and, and not being afraid to meet new people and, and connecting the dots, you know? Well, I, I want to hear more about your non-Toronto part. So you mentioned travel. So I was going to ask if you've been outside Toronto and outside Canada, and I think you're going to say yes. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Tell us about some of your travels. Yeah. So, um, well, coming out I, I, of school, I wanted to, you know, see the world a little bit because I was still young and didn't really have any responsibilities, you know, I wasn't yep. mortgage or anything at the time. So, yeah, I got on the plane and I decided I'm going to do everything I could do. I went to Malaysia and Thailand and Australia and Tanzania and Zanzibar and Europe and just everywhere, you know. Wow. And uh, it was something, to be honest with you, that my father said to me that, that stuck with me though. And I, I was going to Tanzania because I was doing some missionary work out there. And like any Italian father, he was being protective. He's like, sure. I'm going to be safe. Like I was going basically by myself with 14 strangers. And he's like, you know, you, you gotta be safe. He's like, you know, I, I appreciate that you want to go out and you want to help people, but keep in mind, there's people in your own city that need help too. Mm. I was like, damn, like, He's absolutely right. I should be thinking of something to do within the city that can help, you know, residents in my own community that I love so much. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where Celebrate Toronto, I could say, was was born. I was out of that idea. Well, let's let's talk about that. So Celebrate Toronto, when did you found this organization? And, and maybe you talk a little more about why. Yeah, so in it was actually uh, fall of 2013, I believe. 
I just kind of had, I, again, I was doing different gallery shows and I was always kind of organizing different, you know, parties and galas, you know, for the artistic community and whatnot. And I was doing a lot of uh, volunteer work with people for charities and galas. And I thought, you know, I want to do my own. And I was just trying to brainstorm a good idea, something original, something new. And, you know, you, I was literally just eating pancakes one morning, spitting out ideas. And I thought, you know, what about the history of Toronto? Like the Toronto as a city itself, like, let's look up that. And I started reading the history of Toronto. And I realized that that coming year, Toronto was going to be 180 years old. Okay. date. And I thought, well, damn it. Why can't a city have a birthday party? And then that's what I decided to do. I, I just threw a great big party at Steam Whistle Brewing at the time. Okay. And, uh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I really just thought I'm going to have a cool thing where I'm going to have all my friends that are musicians on stage playing. And I'm going to have all my friends that are in the arts do a huge gallery show. And, you know, I'm going to have this cool theme of Toronto's past, present, future. Like I'm just going to make it like this cool thing at this historical landmark, you know? Yes. And then all these counselors started showing up and um, Norm Kelly, who was the, um, well, he was kind of the stand-in mayor at the time because of Rob Ford. He was the deputy mayor, I should say. Yep. He showed up with like this beautiful plaque for me, you know, kind of saying congratulations and thank you for doing this. And I was like, holy cow, like I was just throwing this like fun party. Yeah. Like, I, I meant it with all good intention, of course, but I, I didn't think it was going to be all that. You know, all the media was there and I was getting pulled left, right and center to do all these interviews with like Toronto Star, CP24, Global News, everybody. And I was like, holy cow, I gotta, I gotta go further with this. There's, um, this is important, you know? Well, it's great to see the support. So the, the government, so to speak, supported you and the media supported you. And it sounds like your friends all thought it was a good idea too. Yeah. So I I decided to create a nonprofit organization and Culture Celebrate Toronto was born and I did it at Steam Whistle for a few more years, always with the intention to um, make it more accessible, um, Mm -hmm. everybody to come. I wanted to do, you know, obviously a free festival and uh, yeah, Nathan Phillips Square became my home for the festival and that's where we've been since and yeah, here we are today. Well, that's certainly, that's the most accessible place I'd say, right? Right, City Hall, you can't get better than that in terms of letting everyone feel included and welcome. Exactly, exactly. So now being a nonprofit, if I may ask, how do you fund your operations? How do you put together these festivals? Um, It's a mix of everything. It's, you know, grants, um, partnerships, sponsorships, um, anybody who wants to kind of get involved. And then obviously if there's vendors there and, and, and food trucks and whatnot, you know, there's mm-hmm. a portion that, you know, people have to pay for their spots and whatnot. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. And I can imagine those skills must have been, maybe they were new ones to you. And do those perhaps take up the majority of your time, all the executional kind of issues? Uh, yeah, it does. But <laughs> but it, that, that's, that's the fun part of it too, though. Like I like yeah. people. I like finding people that, uh, you know, are, are a right fit. You know, it's, it's, it's like a love movement, Celebrate Toronto. Just, yeah. It's, it's a collaborative thing where I, I want people to come together and, and celebrate their city and their home and, and what to be appreciative and, and thankful and grateful for that we have in our city that 
gets overlooked every day. People complain all the time, oh, the traffic, the TTC. And sure. And it's like, you know what? Be freaking grateful. We live in a wicked city that offers so much and there's so much opportunity and people just need to remember that, you know, and, and come together and celebrate that. Absolutely. Well, very well said. I'll tell you the reason I asked you to join us on the Toronto Legends podcast is your exuberance when you explain your personal af- affection for Toronto. As you were quoted recently in the Toronto Star, this is you being read back to you. This is where I went to school, where I live, where I met lifelong friends, where I suntan, where I exercise, where I had my first kiss, where I had my first art show, where my car was first towed, where I danced in the streets. Your enthusiasm for Toronto is what makes you such an exciting person to talk to. And I thought maybe we can talk about a few Toronto landmarks. So feel free to comment on any of these or share any stories or memories. So let's ease into this. The singular thing Toronto is most famous for, the CN Tower. Any special memories or stories about the CN Tower in your life? I I'm laughing because, yeah, I have fun. I even have the videos still on my phone. And you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to swear, but I was a shit disturber. I was in the CN Tower. And there was- Uh-oh, here we go. I, I love, I go to all these landmarks. Like, this isn't somewhere, we, you know, I don't say, oh, this is the only time I go is when I have somebody, you know, in town. <laughs> that I, is it. I frequently go. I go okay. to the CN Tower. I go to Casaloma. I go to the, I love the zoo. I go to all these, I love it. I love the city. Anyway, so I was at the CN Tower. This is going back maybe two, uh, actually maybe three, four years ago. And uh, you know how they have like the glass bottom where you yes. see it and it's absolutely terrifying? Yes. Well, I'm not scared of things. So all these tourists were there and they're like tiptoeing or like lying on their stomachs just trying to like look through it. And I just walked past like 20 people and I got on there and I jumped as hard as I could on the glass. And everybody was like, oh my God, what is she doing? Like, like just scared, you know, like, don't do that, don't do that. That, that is the definition of a shit disturber. You must have given uh, heart attacks to many people. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Sorry, that was my last memory of the CN Tower. Well, that. that's... <laughs> now, have you ever tried... If you've just uh, told us you're not scared, have you ever tried that, that catwalk on the outside? You know what? I want to, but I need someone to want to do it with me. That's the okay. hard Getting the well, to uh, not be scared with you. So it's on I, my bucket list. I think, I think we put the word out. Anyone who wants to join Michaela on the outside of the CN Tower, yeah, um, be in contact with her. Toronto Islands. Now, these are my absolute favorite place to be, from the amusement park to the bike rentals to what I personally consider the best view of the city from the north side of that Olympic Island. Toronto Islands, big on your list? Oh, yeah. No, that's where I go bike riding um, at least a handful of times in the summertime. It's, it's beautiful there. And you know what? It's quiet. It, it's a piece of Toronto that you feel like you're, you're in your cottage country, you know? Yeah. It's, it's great. It's it, great. It, it's hard to call it a hidden gem, but I certainly think it's underappreciated. We forget it's just a boat ride away. Yeah, I agree with you. I do agree with you. Ontario Place, where it came from, which was a vibrant, fun place, especially as a kid, and, and where it finally may be going. Any thoughts on the status of Ontario Place and what we might do with it? Do you think they'll bring the Legoland back? I, that would be it. That would be a positive move. <laughs> that was my favorite time. Like honestly, those are majority of my memories is like being a little like toddler and my parents being like, "It's time to go," and it's like, "Never! I'm building no. with my Legos." You know, it was so much fun. 
Well, now you've proven the, the business case. People sometimes say, how can they have a Lego store in the mall? And you've just answered the question why. Kids yeah. love Lego. They love Lego for sure. Um, but yeah, I, you know what? I'm excited. It, I, Ontario Place is, again, that it's an unutilized piece that has so much potential. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what's going to come of it. You know, like I've been to the Cinesphere. Yep. Maybe half a dozen times since. Um, and obviously, you know, there's the concerts and a few festivals that have been there. But um, it's, I'm, looking it's, forward. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to come about. It's time to make it useful again, for sure. Oh, big time, big time. Now, you already spend a lot of time, we know, because of you, you talked about the importance of Nathan Phillips Square for your annual birthday festival. But old City Hall, new City Hall, Nathan Phillips Square, the skating rink. Is this a place you enjoy going when you're not planning and executing your annual festival? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I would go to other festivals at Nathan Phillips Square. I still do, like the Toronto Outdoor Art Exhibit. I, okay. I, that's been going on for over 50 years now. It's, mm. it's cool, you know, and I get to see a lot of old familiar faces and meet new artists. So, yeah, I'm down there really just to appreciate other people's festivals and what they put together. And, you know, it's, it's great. The CNE. Were you an annual CNE goer? And uh, I see they've added a hotel there. I haven't been back lately, but it's always a great place, even in the off season, to yeah. go with on your bike or get a little peace and quiet. Do you? Yeah, were you an annual visitor to the X? Of course, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm looking forward to it coming back this year. Um, yeah, I go to the Entercare Center. I was just at the Entercare Center last week for the National Home Show. The a couple weeks before that for. Um, the one of a kind show, like anything that goes on, I'm out there and I'm, and I'm doing it. So yeah. Uh Hotel X. It's beautiful. You should go. If you haven't gone, they have a nice um, patio, good view of the city. You should. Okay. Well, I will give it a try. I was was frankly a little put out that they decided to put a hotel on the grounds, but uh, if if another one coming soon, I think the, um, the esports building. Oh yeah. Okay. But there's going to be a hotel, um, attached to it as well and I, I do want to give a shout out to people who enjoy hockey you know watching the Toronto Marlies at the Coca-Cola Coliseum which used to be the horse Coliseum it's a really great way to watch a hockey game in our city yeah, it is it's such a cool spot I love I love how they have like the old facades like it's yes yeah it's so cool right the Royal York Hotel I think on that second floor of the main hallway there's just some amazing photo history in there do you ever go in and meander around the royal york yeah i've um i can't remember the last time i was there to be honest with you i'm i feel like it's been like six seven years but yeah like the old school clock that they have on the second floor it looks mm-hmm. like king tickety too you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's legendary it is uh and of course back in the day when the, there's gray cup stories they uh our fans of the western teams would ride a horse through the lobby of the Royal York, but come on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, and there's some good photo evidence of that as well. Now, Michaela being an artist and an art lover, let's talk about the ROM. Uh, I have to share this with you. It was described as a fine classical facade being devoured by a giant space amoeba. Uh, ROM, is that one of your places you enjoy going? That's a, it's a funny quote. Yes. Um, so I don't know. Have you ever been, well, this, they've been, been years since they've done it but friday night live at the rom have you ever no what was that about oh my god those were like the best parties in the city 
So every Friday, they, it was called Friday Night Live. Okay. And the museum would transform into, bait, well, I don't want to say club, but it was, you know, food and drink. And, you know, you walk around with like a glass of wine and like, you know, a slider or, you know, jerk chicken or something. And you're just around a bunch of dinosaur bones and such cool fact <laughs> but like there's a dj in one room and like a fashion show in another like it was so much fun it was well, so much. it would make things more it sounds like a very accessible program it would kind of bring people in who may not necessarily think of going there oh big time i was there every friday and like i my family makes fun of me because i would just sit in like the gem room where all the like ancient rocks and crystals and everything are like, I get so fascinated, like seeing things from like, you know, an asteroid <laughs> mm. and like all this cool stuff. Um, you know, I think the ROM, if I, I hope I'm not mistaken, I don't know if it's, it's the first Tuesday of every month. I think they even introduced like a free day that you can go and, and check it out. I should oh. Well, that yeah. would be smart. They got to get people back out and going into these places. Yeah. It's such a cool spot. So yeah. Now, just behind your beloved OCAD is the Art Gallery of Ontario. Is that another place you have memories of and a place you like to go? Yeah, I used to be there almost every single day because of OCAD. Yeah. Like a cafe that I would just sit up there, grab my coffee and, you know. And uh, yeah, they actually used to do the same similar thing that the ROM did. It was, I think, the first Thursday of every month. It was the same thing where you can go, you buy tickets, you go in and there's live music and, you know, food and drink and you can enjoy you know, the whole museum with, uh, you know, a little flair to it. It's a good time to like bring a date, you know, get them interested in what you're interested yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, you're really showing there's things that you can do. You don't have to be a hardcore art or a history or a museum buff and they're making programs that are more accessible. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Get people involved that wouldn't usually go there, you know? I really love switching to the uh, east side of the city, the Flatiron building. It's got that artistic mural on the west side with that kind of uh, exterior that makes you look like you're looking into the office, but even better, they've recently, um, not that recently, I guess before COVID, but there's now that two tier water fountain. It's got cast iron statues of 27 dogs and a cat in Bursey park. And I, I think that's a great little piece of uh, downtown parkette space to go. Did you know that ours is the first flat iron building in New York kind of copied us? I did not know that. We were first New York second. Yeah, that's right. Well, there you go for all our jealousy of New York or comparisons. Maybe that's one where we had something first. I didn't know that. Yeah. And across the street from that um, fountain that you just described is my personal favorite spot in the city, uh, the Reservoir Lounge. Um, Okay. Yeah, it's the best jazz in the city. It's like an old speakeasy type of feel. You walk down the stairs into the basement and some of the best musicians are in that place. And I highly recommend going to the Reservoir Lounge. Awesome. Excellent. Well, there's a good shout out. The Reservoir Lounge. Yeah. I, I, maybe I'm doubting my, dating myself, but we used to go to Say What on oh, yeah. front. I don't even know if it's still there, but that was one of the first ones where you can get the different beers, but you could play games and different artistic things. And there's always interesting places in these neighborhoods, some that are more and some less known. The producer of this show, Toronto Mike, who hosts his longstanding podcast, Toronto Mike, has a special spot in his heart for 299 Queen Street West, home to City TV, much music. That live eye truck was bursting through the wall. 
Michaela, what were your memories of 299 Queen? Were you someone who used to go down there? Um, no, that, that was a little bit before my time, but I mean, I remember watching much music growing up and speaker's corner and, yeah. you know, like you know, electric circus, Yes, <laughs> you know, I was, I was a young kid when all that was, um, you know, popular, but I mean, that's my thoughts on it. You enjoyed it from this safety of your family room. I did. I did. Are, are you a sporting person, Michaela? Do you enjoy your sports? Um, you know what? My sister actually used to work for the Toronto Argonauts. So I used to go to, well, almost every single game. Um, and currently I kind of jump on the bandwagons. <laughs> well, that, that's a very oh, Toronto I thing. I, I do. I enjoy them. But um, it, it's hard for me to, to keep following things. I have a lot on my plate. And yeah. I, well, I, I want... I wonder just with that uh, interest in sport, how much you'd be interested in things. You had mentioned the facades before. I wondered what you thought of, of course, Maple Leaf Gardens had been converted into a Loblaws, but they were able to keep the uh, Ryerson Athletic Facility uh, in that building as well and maintain the rink, although now it's on the third floor. I thought they did a great job there. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on the former Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah, no, no, they, they have done a great job. And you know what, I, I appreciate that the city, um, you know, it, it's kind of required to keep historical landmarks, the facades of them at least, you know, it's, um, have you ever been to Guildwood Park? Uh, no, I am embarrassed to tell you I know the name, but I don't think I've been there. You know, don't, don't be embarrassed. A lot of people haven't been and it's, um, it's a really cool, you know what, it's cool, but maybe it's a little creepy. It's like a cemetery <laughs> for old Toronto buildings. Okay. The park where there's all like old artifacts and old facades from different Toronto buildings that the city didn't want to get rid of because it's our history. So they kind of put it in this park out in Scarborough and uh, it is so cool. It's a cool place to go for like a picnic and you know, people kind of get married out there too. Now they have like a, an event center there, but yeah, anyway, you said Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens and it made me think of those old facades. And yeah, well, the other one that springs to mind is the Canada post building, uh, right down Bay in front, that was converted to where the Leafs now play, the Scotia Bank, and they they literally just kept the facade. But uh, I'm okay with that. I think uh, they did a good job with that as well. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, as long as they're not completely erasing our history and like our really cool architecture, you know, there were some really beautiful buildings that like we've lost a lot of mm-hmm. them. You know, the Great Fires and Hurricane. What was it? Hurricane. Hurricane, I forget the name of the hurricane in 54, like a bunch of stuff we've lost already. So whatever we do have, I think it's important to preserve, you know. Do you want to make a comment on the status of the Gardner Expressway? We keep uh, propping it up. We're spending a lot of money to maintain it. We've taken down part of it. Or do you think we should be following an example such as they did in Boston with their big dig project, which effectively buried their Crosstown Expressway? How do you feel about the Gardner and what should we be doing with it in the future? Honestly, I I have mixed feelings because like I know what it's like to be a commuter and to just not be able to get around anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I think it's that catch twenty two scenario where you tear it down and you have bottlenecks everywhere. You build it and you spent all this money on something that's super old and who knows if it's still effective. Like I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to trust the city planners that they know what's best for us. <laughs> a lot of people are rolling their eyes when you say that, but I think you said that well, because it is, there is a commuting aspect to it that would be a serious uh, trouble if they don't maintain that. The zoo, you mentioned you like the zoo. I think the zoo's got a, in a weird place right now. Um, it is the largest zoo in Canada. It's one of the largest in the world. Do you see a role 
for the Toronto Zoo going forward? Are people going to go return there? Um, well, I hope so. Uh, to be honest, Toronto Zoo, they, they've come out to celebrate Toronto in the past at Nathan Phillips Square. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, um, I mean, I hope so. It's it's the zoo, you know. It's As you said, it's one of Canada's largest zoos. I think that's important as well. And I don't know. Well, I'm, I definitely miss the monorail. And I personally learned to cross-country ski there amongst the animals. So I have special memories of it too. I had my first beaver tail there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, we all have these great memories. The Eaton Center. I believe it's the 45th anniversary. Are malls dead or simply in transition? That's a good question. I, ooh, I think they're in transition. I don't think that they're dead. I mean, people, if they're dead. Why the hell is it always so busy there? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. And they have recently reemerged with busy traffic and everyone thought we're going to be on e-commerce and buying everything over the internet. But uh, like you just said, I've noticed also that people are returning to shopping in person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's, I mean, you can never get away from the fact that it's nicer to try things on. In person. Yes. It looks good on you before you're buying online. Like I've never purchased clothes online because I don't, I'd like to put them on, see what they look like. I, I have no idea how you see if your pants fit online, but I'm not a big shopper on or offline. Yeah. Let's talk about our mayor, if you want. Uh, John Tory is running for a third term. He is only one vote on council, but he sets the tone. How do you feel? Is John Tory good for Toronto? And and would you like to either see fresh new blood in the mayor's throne, or would you like to see Mr. Tory get a third term? Well, I usually don't talk about politics, but I I like John Tory. I I think he's been a great mayor. I think he you know, speaks very well. He's, he's a well-rounded man and he's, I think he's done great for the city. I, I think he's done a great job. I don't, I don't see anybody who's rivaling him just yet. So. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I find he's doing it for the right reasons. He's already very wealthy. He's had an excellent career. Frankly, it would be much easier in my opinion, if I were him, I'd be on a beach or, you know, vacation somewhere. So I take it at, at face value that when he, wants to commit to Toronto and making it a better place that he's, he's doing it for the right reasons. So we'll see what happens in this next election. Michaela, I want to ask you about diversity. I know that's something important to you. I don't have to tell you this. Toronto is the proud home of citizens representing over 200 distinct ethnic origins and more than 50% of current Torontonians were born elsewhere. Why don't you talk about diversity and what that means in this city? Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's kind of what Celebrate Toronto um, celebrates in itself. Like, yeah, it's the history of, of, you know, Toronto itself and, and, and its achievements, but it's the diversity. We're the most diverse. That's what makes us, to me, I'll say it, people maybe don't like the term, but a world-class city. Mm-hmm. I mean, a place that you can walk down Young Street and you can hear, I mean, if you're quiet enough, you know, a dozen or more languages being spoken, you mm-hmm. know, you can turn down a corridor and have any type of food that you feel like it's like oh what do you feel like thai chinese indian jerk chicken like anything and and it's there mm-hmm. and i i think that's what makes toronto the unique place that it is is our diversity and uh, you got me thinking when you talked about food i want to ask you what are your favorite places to eat in toronto it depends what i'm in the mood for okay to be honest i i'm a big i love thai food i love thai food and any place, place in particular yeah, well, I used to always go to Sour King. It was on Gerard, I believe it was Gerard. Anyway, yeah. 
closed down. I think they were building condos. I don't know what they were doing. I don't remember what the story was. This is going back a long time ago. But I was in the city a couple days ago and I saw Salad King reopened and my heart jumped up. <laughs> I can't wait to go back because that's where I fell in love with Thai food. So Salad King, um, King Tacos, best tacos in the city. They're okay. at Dufferin and St. Clair area. Yeah, it just depends what you're in the mood for. But I can go on. I can go on. Both. Well, those are good ones. And you're making me think Salad King, I believe, was famous for its multiple scale on the heat register. You could pick what you wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had the same experience as you. They were on Gould, as you mentioned, in that area. And I think a fire next door closed them down. But I just noticed they had reopened. So like you, we will head back to the Salad King. Where do you like to go in Toronto? And this is more things that you like to do. Is there any particular things you enjoy doing around the city? You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to that. It's been, a, it, honestly, it's been a while since I've been able to enjoy a night on the city. And I mean, I know COVID affected everybody's lives for the past two years. Um, for me, I'm, to be honest, I wouldn't guess it, but I'm a bit of an introvert. I don't mind being home, reading books, being quiet here, doing my art, you know, planning Celebrate Toronto, like everything that I do, I, I do from here. Mm-hmm. Um, I but, went out to El Mocambo, uh, I don't know, two, two weeks ago, I guess. Okay, so you've been out since it relaunched. Oh, yeah, yeah. And honestly, when I got there, I, I went to go see Chantal Kribiazic. I couldn't okay. believe live music means. I already knew how much live music meant to me, but holy cow, when you haven't done it for a couple years and to get out and to be amongst people and just listening to others sing on stage oh my god it's something that I miss so much and that I used to do so often was you know be a part of Toronto's music scene and just see new artists new bands playing in you know different places if it's you know the Drake Underground or anywhere you know Reservoir Lounge like I mentioned before I miss the Orbit Room I used to be there every Wednesday night Mm -hmm. you know I just I'm looking forward to jumping back into it you know and all the festivals that are coming up this summer there's so much there's so many so many different programs going on, kind of even overlapping each other. Beaches Jazz Festival. Maybe. Okay. It's like my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can go on. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Even just to get on my bike, bike ride down on the lakefront. Yeah. Every, we all got a hunger to get out there again. Mm-hmm. Now, but Michaela, because of your involvement in Celebrate Toronto, I know that you will have a few hidden gems for our listeners of things to do in the city. hidden gems yeah is there anything we don't traditionally think of that you would recommend we consider either a place to go or a thing to do you know i'm i'm a very simple person but there's like between um you know the humber bay bridge the white bridge where the palace pier is yes okay so if you while you're on your bike or if you're walking there's like little tiny baby little beaches <laughs> yeah you go down there at night or like around magic hour in the summertime like you know 6 30 quarter to seven with a bottle of wine and you just sit there you have like this beautiful view of the city and like the lake gets nice and quiet and still and everything kind of turns that nice golden pinkish color that's what i it's just those little quiet moments You've drawn an amazing visual. I know exactly what you're talking about. Just a place to relax and enjoy the view. Yeah, it's quiet and nobody's ever there. Cause <laughs> I can't get them because they're walking around. And I don't know. Yeah. People don't think of like those 
little things, you know, like those little moments. Well, that is a definition of a hidden gem. So thank you for that. Michaela, is there any famous person that you have had an interaction with? Oh my God. Um, yeah, probably. I can't think off the top of my head. I can't Because what, what I was wondering is, I'll give you a chance to think about it. If you have ever met someone famous or a personal hero, I wondered whether meeting them was just like you expected or it kind of ruined it for you because uh turns out they weren't such a great person. Honestly, I can't think off the top. I've, I've, I've lived a, a pretty full life, but the, the last time I was around, you know, famous people was last summer, summer before. My God, I'm losing my mind. Yeah, it was last summer. Holy cow. So I, I um, actually, I'm, I'm helping plan a couple of festivals in the Vaughan region. Okay. It's called a uh, 90s nostalgia. And Ooh. it was, yeah, it was a Canadian-wide uh, tour last last summer, or fall, I should say. It was September-ish. And uh, anyway, I got to kind of be behind stage to help out with the artists and whatnot. And I got to meet a whole bunch of really cool people, you know? Like, I, I met Ludacris and Ace of Base and, and just people that I grew up with, you know? like Yeah. That I would listen to on the radio and like dance in my room too and whatnot. And so, I assume when they go on these, they play only the hits, right? That nobody wants to hear their new stuff. They play the stuff that we we love them for. Like you grew up with, and like it was super cool just to um, you know be with them backstage, making sure they had everything that they needed, and just the the most humble of humble people at the same time, like very friendly and nice, and um, yeah, it was it was cool. It was cool. Well, I'm glad it met your expectations. Sometimes uh, it affirms what we think of these people and sometimes it uh, ruins it. You don't want to meet them, but I'm glad you had a positive. Is it too early? I know you're planning the September festival and then next March, the annual one. Is it too early to start planning all these things or are you constantly year round working on your next festival engagement? No, it's, it's year round for me. Um, I do. I do. I mean, like 99% of my festival planning myself, um, even from the graphic works to the website design, uh, everything. So it, it takes me time, but it's a labor of love. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm planning. September's in the midst of, of being planned. I can't say too much of what's going on until everything, all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So okay, yeah. Good. So you're in active planning mode. Mm-hmm. In addition to your festivals, is there anything else in the remainder of this year or beyond that you're working on or projects that you'd like to work on in your future? Yeah, well, well, currently I'm, I'm, I'm a, the associate event director for All About Vaughn. It's a tourism-based nonprofit in, in the Vaughn region. And we're planning a few festivals this summer, um, Vaughn Pizza Fest and um, Freestyle Fridays, Divas and Drags. We have, we, we have a lot of programming this summer. So that's what's going to keep me busy until September. And then in addition to festival planning, I run pop-up um, markets for small businesses. Okay. So, yeah. So I have a summer one and then I'll have, um, it'll be featured at Celebrate Toronto and then I'll have a winter one. So yeah, just lots of planning. Is the pop-up market, is that like food based or all kinds of merchandise? It's a little bit of everything, but mainly it's, you know, one of a kinds, crafts, you know, arts, things that people make from Toronto that's kind of it's called Toronto made market so it's ideally people who make things within Toronto that come out and yeah it's just kind of featuring um you know local goods and and making sure we're supporting our community and um you know shop local excellent well Michaela as we wrap up it was really great having you where can we best follow you 
celebrate Toronto? If we, if someone wants to get involved in your organization and your festivals, how should they reach you and how should they follow you? Yeah. So uh, celebrate Toronto.ca, our, our Instagram, celebrate Toronto, uh, Facebook, same thing, facebook.com, celebrate Toronto, my email, I mean, info at celebrate Toronto.ca. Again, I'll, I'll see your emails. I'm pretty good at responding. Yeah. If you just type in celebrate Toronto on Google, follow all of that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's great. You got a lot going on and we look forward to everything you're working on this summer and beyond. So thanks for your time. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for having me. So to the listeners, it was great having you as well. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends podcast. And on behalf of Michaela Doria, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. Did Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. 
Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.